Chapter 15 of the History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1, by Knut Gershet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15 The Viking Expeditions Eastward, Founding of the Russian Kingdom, The Varangians in Constantinople. When the Scandinavians entered into communication with the peoples dwelling east of the Baltic Sea cannot be determined. But it is quite certain that such an intercourse existed from very early times since even the oldest historic traditions mention expeditions made by Swedish kings to the countries across the Baltic. The first account of the Old Yngling dynasty is given by the Norwegian skald Thjodolf of Finn in his song Ynglingatal. Among the old kings of Svitjord here mentioned is Van Landa, a great warrior who visited many foreign lands and at one time spent the winter in Finland. Agne, another king of the same dynasty, subjugated Finland, and brought with him home the daughter of the Finnish prince. Ingvar and his son Anund, two other kings of the England family, made expeditions to Estonia, and brought great booty home. These traditions point to a connection between Scandinavia and the regions east of the Baltic in very early ages. This is further verified through the more reliable evidence of archaeological finds, which prove that the Scandinavians must have paid frequent visits to the eastern shores of the Baltic, that their civilization was transplanted to those regions, and that they must have founded settlements there in many places. These finds are especially numerous in Tavastland and Satakunda in southern Finland, but they also have been made in many other places. Of special interest is the account given by the Russian chronicler Nestor of the founding of the Kingdom of Russia by the Swedes. Nestor was a monk in Kiev in the latter part of the 11th century. He tells the story as follows. In the year 6367 after the creation of the world, 859 A.D., the Varangians came across the sea and exacted tribute from the Chauds and the Slavs, from the Marians, Veses, and Kriviches. In the year 6370, 862 AD, they, i.e. the Slavs, drove away the Varangians across the sea, paid them no tribute, and began to rule themselves, but disorder prevailed. One tribe rose against the other, there was enmity between them, and they began to wage war on each other. Then they said to each other, let us get a prince who can rule over us, and who can judge rightly. And they went across the sea to the Varangians, to the Russians, for so the Varangians are called, while some are called Swedes, others Norsemen, others Angles and Goths. And the Chauds, the Slavs, the Kriviches, and the Vesas said to the Russians, Our land is large and fertile, but there is no order there. Come, therefore, and rule over us. Three brothers were chosen, and they took with them all the Rus, and they came. And the oldest, Rurik, settled in Novgorod, and the second, Sinius, at Bailo Osero, and the third at Izbrosk. His name was Travor. From these Varangians the Russian kingdom received its name, that is, the Novgorodians. These are the Novgorodian peoples of Varangian descent. Before the Novgorodians were Slavs. After two years had passed, Sinius died, and also his brother Travor. Rurik then became ruler in their stead, and gave cities to his men. To one he gave Polotsk, to another Rostov, to a third Bailo Osero. Into these places the Varangians had immigrated, the former inhabitants in Novgorod being Slavs, in Polotsk Kriviches, in Rostov Marians, in Bailo Osero Veses. The Frankish annals tell of an embassy sent by the Byzantine emperor Theophilos to the Frankish emperor Louis the Pious. Along with this embassy came some men who said that they were from a people by the name of Ross that they had been sent as messengers by their king to the emperor at Byzantium, and wished now, with Louis's aid, to return to their own country. 
because the route which they had followed to Constantinople led through the lands of strange and barbarous peoples, where it was very dangerous to travel. Upon closer investigation, Louis found that they were Swedes. That Rurik and his followers, the Varangians, or Russians, came from Scandinavia, is seen also from the great number of names of unmistakable Scandinavian origin in early Russian history. The name of Rurik's ancestors, Oleg and Igor, are but slightly altered forms of the Scandinavian names Helga and Ivar, or Ingvar. The representatives sent by these rulers to conclude peace with the Byzantine emperor in 912 and 945 had Scandinavian names. As examples may be mentioned, Karl, Inigeld, Ivar, Voifast, Uleb, Bern, Shigburn, Turburn, Grimm, Kohl, Sven, Gunnar, etc. As late as in the 11th century, the name Oleg was still used in the Russian dynasty. In the beginning, Novgorod or Homgard was the chief city in the new Russian kingdom, but soon Kiev grew into great importance and became the real capital. Great trade routes were opened along the Volga and Astrakhan, and along the Dnieper to the shores of the Black Sea. Here the Varangians met the Arab tradesmen, and a lively commercial intercourse sprang up, through which a great number of coins and other articles of value were brought to Scandinavia. Kiev, which was situated on this main trade route, reached its highest splendor in the time of King Yaroslav. He wished his capital to rival Constantinople, and Kiev became famous as the city of 400 churches. The Varangian prince, Ivar of Novgorod, concluded a treaty of commerce with the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, and traders and slave dealers carried on a steadily growing traffic along the Volga and the Dnieper to Novgorod and the shores of the Baltic Sea. Many names of towns and waterfalls along these routes still preserve the memory of the Scandinavian traders and travelers who sojourned in these regions in ages past. As an illustration may be mentioned, Bjarkovitz, a Russian form of the Scandinavian Bjarke, an island near the coast of Ingermanland, where a trading station was located. The kings of Sweden and Norway were related to the Russian princes through marriage, and often sent them troops when needed, or they sought refuge with them in times of trouble at home. A lively intercourse between Scandinavia and Russia, or Gardarike, as it was usually called in the north, continued till the death of Yaroslav in 1045. The Slavs then gained the ascendancy, and Scandinavian influence in Russia came to an end. Through the Varangians, these dark and far-off regions were brought into the daylight of history. Colonies were founded, cities were built, commerce and government were established, and this hitherto unknown domain was opened to the forces of civilization and progress. Russia became, under Varangian rule, a European kingdom, aspiring to rival in culture the nations most advanced in those times, something that cannot be said of Russia through many centuries after the Scandinavians had ceased to rule. After having penetrated the wilds of Russia and established permanent communication with the Black Sea, it was comparatively easy for the enterprising Vikings to push across the sea to Constantinople, or Mikulgard, the great city, as they called it. Nestor says that a number of Varangians in the service of Vladimir the Great of Russia became dissatisfied and went to Constantinople. This is said to have happened about 980, but these were not the first Varangians in the Byzantine Empire. The emperor had already at that time an army of Scandinavian warriors who served, not only as his bodyguard, but were also in active warfare in different parts of the empire. Most famous of all the Scandinavians in Constantinople was Harald Sigurdsson, son of the Norwegian king Sigurdsir, and a half-brother of King Olaf Haraldsson, St. Olaf. He became chief of the Varangians in Constantinople, and took part in many campaigns in Syria, Armenia, Palestine, Sicily, and Africa. He captured many fortified cities, and gathered immense treasures. Snorra says that there was a law, that when the Greek emperor died, the Varangians should have Palatus Faro. 
They were then allowed to go through all the royal palaces where the treasures were stored, and take what they could seize with their hands. Harald Sigurdsson had three times taken part in such a palatasvaro in Constantinople. He returned to Novgorod with great treasures, married King Yaroslav's daughter, and became later king of Norway. As such, he is known as Harald Hardrada, an object which preserves in an interesting way the memory of the Vikings in the Byzantine Empire, is the great marble lion from Piraeus, now standing at the entrance to the arsenal in Venice, where it was brought by the Venetians in 1687 after they had captured Athens. On this monument is found a delicately carved runic inscription in the snake-loop design so familiar from Scandinavian runestones. The characters are so nearly effaced that the inscription cannot be read, but it silently points to the days when Harald Sigurdsson and the Varangians served the Byzantine Empire in Constantinople and Jerusalem, and measured swords with the Saracens in Asia and Africa. End of chapter 15